Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course, and I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide, ranging from beachside destinations in the Caribbean and Mexico to exotic locations like the Maldives and Morocco, or even the mountain destinations like Japan and the European Alps. Dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. And I got to tell you, I was talking about, to me, the most significant statistic I heard this year so far, this week so far, Thursday is an astonishing 96 million NIPS, N-I-P-S, NIPS, have been sold in Connecticut in the last 12 months, a state of 3 million people, at least a half a million of whom presumably are under the age of 18, and probably well under the age of 18. And so what does that tell you? That tells you at least 32 NIPS a person, and I don't drink, so somebody else gets my 32, have been purchased by people in this tiny little state of Connecticut in the last year. NIPs are containers, small containers like the kinds you find in hotels of alcohol, and they're not wine, they're hard alcohol. And why do you take a nip? Well, usually you take it because you don't want anybody to see that you're drinking more than a nip. Usually you take it because it is so small that one of my listeners said to me that people take one and they pour it into their alcoholic or sodas drinks in the restaurants and they give themselves a boost in a restaurant while no one is looking. Obviously, many people are taking it while they're driving, the biggest no-no of all. So this morning I had to announce, and it was sad to announce, that Quentin Williams, who was a beloved, young, up-and-coming, bright, shining star, a black man in Middletown, who was killed in a wrong-way collision. In other words, he had left the inauguration, and everybody, I think, was partying, and he had left late, like everybody else did. He got into his car. He went the correct way on a highway, and some drunk driver uh, smashed into him because he was going south, and this one was going north, and head-on collision. And it tr- collision, and it turns out that he was going 85 miles an hour. She was going 56. He had more than twice the legal alcohol limit. She had almost twice the legal alcohol limit. Both of them had THC in their bodies, which who knows if they were high when they were driving or had mixed it with alcohol. 
or the THC had lingered longer because we all know THC lingers in the body for up to 30 days. But either way, we know that they had, each of them had drunk a lot of alcohol. He was going the correct way, probably too fast, and she was going the wrong way. Could anything have averted him dying that day in a terrible, in a terrible uh, head-on collision where the cars were on fire? Probably not because she was coming fast at him, and she was going the wrong way, and it was dark at night. But if he had had the ability to swerve at the last instant, if his senses were such that he might have been able to avoid this catastrophe on the road, he was impaired too, no question about it, and probably could not have acted with the speed or accuracy that he would need to have if he wasn't impaired. That's just the reality of it. And it's very, very sad, because it doesn't take away from his human beingness or his legislative accomplishments or his personality or his future or anything. But what it definitely speaks of, and in Connecticut we've had this specifically come up this uh, time because there is a legislator named Robin Comey, a woman, who a year ago Jimmy Kimmel made fun of because she appeared to be drunk as a legislator, like on the floor. And he made fun of her. And at the time she said she was tired, this and that. Uh, and she didn't really fully acknowledge her behavior. She acknowledged it somewhat, promised it wouldn't happen again, and that was the end of it. I don't think there was any formal consequence. Well, that was different from around the same time as this inauguration. I think a couple months later, she was leaving a bar during the legislative session where people, I guess, hang out after a long day of work, and she was completely and totally inebriated, such such that when she got behind the wheel of her own car, she flipped it over. And she apparently relatively lightly injured others and walked out herself unscathed, which is miraculous. Some people say when you're drunk, you walk out because your limbs are so relaxed, you don't tighten up and contract. Anyway, because what happened was after that, she was also found to be incredibly drunk. And this time she was removed from her legislative committee appointments, but not from her seat. And she was brought in front of a judge, and the judge said that it looked like she was, it was a first offense, and it looked like she was serious about getting sober, and if she did certain things that the probation warranted and she wasn't going to be going to jail, uh, then after a year, she would have her record expunged and on accelerated rehab be able to go about her business. However, uh, for at least the next six months, she, for the next 45 days, mandatory, she can't have a license. And then after that, I think for at least six months, if not longer, she can't get behind the wheel of a car unless she has that breathalyzer where they will, you know, automatically see if you're fit to drive. And maybe this is the wake-up call she needed, and maybe, thank God, because she didn't hurt anybody, she never will. But I went on the air today, and I'm putting all these facts together in my brain. And i got to tell you, um, I'm not a drinker. I never was. And last night, I went to a party, and it was a wonderful, it was a wonderful um, taste of West. It was a great fundraiser, actually. I really had a lot of fun. And at the back of Longshore, there was a bar and restaurant, and I saw some people I knew, and we were chatting, and I had a great time with them, and I don't drink at all. And it has just occurred to me lately, like when I say lately in the last few years, that my decision not to drink, no thank you, sometimes people question with an eyebrow because they assume or they think it's possible that I've gone sober or that I'm choosing not to drink 
as a way of maintaining my own sobriety, that I've had a problem in the past, which is not true. I didn't grow up in a culture that valued alcohol or that paid much attention to it one way or another. There was always a few bottles of liquor in the house. Nobody ever drank them. There were a few bottles of wine at the, wine at the holidays, mostly Manischewitz. Nobody ever finished them. We were an eating family, obsessed with food in every way, but not drinking. And my father was, I think, really smart, because I'll tell you what happened to me. So I was about eight or nine years old, and my parents were giving a glamorous dinner party in our home. My mother, I told you, was Miss Glam on Saturday night. And my father was holding a glass, and it was a, I don't know what you call glasses. It was a round glass maybe a tumbler, and it's like half, it's like about a four to six ounce glass, round, thick glass, and it had a golden liquid in it. And I remember it had a golden liquid and it had ice cubes. And I thought, I want to taste that. So I said, Daddy, can I have a taste? And he said, sure. And I tasted it, and it was disgusting. And I said, what is that? And Daddy said, it's scotch. So there it was, my imprint from the age of eight. I will never drink liquor again. Done. I've never since even tasted it. Hard liquor, like, let me walk in the other direction. Even the smell, it's just, there's nothing about it that's appealing to me. So my dad was smart because I think he knew that if I tasted it, I would never like it. And he was right. And my parents, it was probably a real anomaly that I saw my father hold the glass to begin with. Because he wasn't a drinker. My parents, they just, drinking wasn't what we did. It wasn't my culture. So when I chose to not drink in college and elsewhere, it was no big deal. Because I was surrounded by friends and people in my life where it's not like we went sober. It's just that we didn't drink. And we ate and we laughed and we enjoyed and we played music and we danced. But we weren't drinkers. And I'm in a culture in Connecticut I'm surrounded by people that are dependent on alcohol. And it is still not cool to talk about it. Even though one of my closest friends has been a sponsor in AA for 40 years and talks about it all the time privately among her group and with me because she's been sober for 40 years and it's an important issue to her. So after I was done with my rant on the radio today, which today is Wednesday, so it was Wednesday show, I was talking about all of this, and as soon as I, one second, Yofi, and as soon as I got off the air, Justin, my board up, whispered in my ear, well, we had a caller, and she was very angry with you, because she said that you had no right to tell people not to drink, that it was their own business, but since she sounded what did he say, half-sauced herself or something? He goes, I didn't think we were going to put her on the air, and besides, she didn't want to go on the air. And I thought to myself, I have every right. You get in my business when you drink and you get behind the wheel. It is my business. It is my business. You get, you're in my business when you're in this world in a drunk and disorderly way. You are. You're in my business. And obviously... We're not going to make it illegal. We tried that, and it didn't work. But there's a lot of room to talk about it. And I'm just saying that uh, alcohol dependency is something that is not talked about enough, and frankly, it's still cool to be drunk, except not for me.
Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course, and I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide, ranging from beachside destinations in the Caribbean and Mexico to exotic locations like the Maldives and Morocco, or even the mountain destinations like Japan and the European Alps. Dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com. 